Hey gang, it's John. Thanks for listening to our latest edition of Promo Mode. To celebrate, we are bringing back one of our most popular guests of all time, the one and only, the fantastic Marshall Crenshaw. I love Marshall Crenshaw so much. Well, he's back to talk about the vinyl release of his 1996 album, Miracle of Science. It's coming out today, Friday, today. So if you are a vinyl collector uh, and you are a Marshall fan, go and check out this album and buy the vinyl because it's fantastic. This is one of my favorite Marshall albums. Um, He came back to talk about that, what all is involved. It's sort of a deluxe reissue with special packaging and all that kind of stuff. So we get into what what's involved in the reissue, some of the songs that are on the album. And then also we talk about his current, you know, partnership with the Smithereens. You guys may or may not know this, but ever since Pat Denizio died, uh, Marshall fills in from time to time playing with those guys on, well, unfortunately it's mostly shows around the Northeast. I wish they would make their way over here so that I could see them. But anyway, so we get into that as well. And we talk about um, Pat and, you know, what that band means to both of us. All right, so sit back and enjoy. We love Marshall so much around here. Thanks for doing this with me. I don't know if you remember, you and I did, uh, we chatted a couple of years ago, and um, it on I host the Hustle podcast, and it's one of my favorite conversations I've ever had, and it's one of our biggest episodes ever. So um, I love you, and our fans, and our listeners love you, and they're fans of yours too, and so I thought it made sense for us to talk about this album release. Oh, I remember now. Uh, you the, you're the guy in Denver? Yes. Wow, good for you. Okay, Holy okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> great. Um, one thing, and I'm going to ask you about this later, about the smithereens, but I've, I'll never forget because our conversation, we were talking and we were expressing concern over Pat's health, and he died like a month later. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, we, we did, we yes. did talk about that. Yeah. So anyway, well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I want to hear about your, you know, what you're doing with them and everything here in a little bit, but um, we should kick it off. Let's start. I mean, so the, the reason I think we're coming together right now is to talk about a vinyl deluxe release of the Miracle of Science album. And you'll have to, I mean, I, you tell us like why this is, uh, you know, what all is involved and uh, some of the new tricks and the new bonus material and stuff like that. Personally, I think Mm -hmm. Miracle of Science is probably my third favorite Marshall Crenshaw album. And I was curious where it fits in you, in the Pantheon for you. How do you feel about that album? Well, uh, I like it a lot right now, you know, mm. and, uh, I had, you know, I had some ambivalence about it over the years, but I think it was misplaced. I mean, I, you know, I don't listen to my own records. I never put them on and listen uh-huh. Once in a while, I'll catch something and I'll go, yeah, you know, that's not bad. I don't hate that, you know, or or I'll, I might even say, oh, that's really good. You know, look, how about that? Anyway, Miracle of Science, uh, I hadn't heard it in a really long time. It was kind of new to me anyway when I revisited mm-hmm. it. But th- there were a couple of things that, that, that I did think that I, I was reluctant to let a couple of things go out as they were. Like, I mm. just, I just couldn't live with that with doing that which i know is a strange thing but uh it's my record right so i can <laughs> you can do what you want <laughs> i can tamper with it if i want to you know That's the right. comparison i made in yeah. the in the bio i said you know if francis coppola can 
tamper with apocalypse now whenever he puts it out then i can right. do the same with miracle of science so right uh, i was listen- i was listening to this one song called only an hour ago mm-hmm. and i thought well uh, this is an interesting song but it's kind of buried under too many elements in the arrangement i thought the bass sound and the bass part was too aggressive for the song mm. i just got these various ideas or how to make it better, you know, and mm. so, and I just went, I didn't thought, I didn't think, oh, this is sacred. I got to leave it alone because this is how I did it originally. I I didn't think that, you know. Mm-hmm. I le- I just went ahead and did it. So, uh, but this okay. This is a I don't want to dwell on this, but this is a funny thing that happened. I I thought, well, you know, I think that song would really sound great if with live drums on it. Mm. If I played them with with if I played them with brushes, it would really be great. So I went and got the ADAT tape and I put it in the machine and I swear to God, I found that there were already word live drums on it <laughs> that, I, that I, I, and I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I didn't remember, I don't remember exactly when I did it, but I did it, you know. And, and I was going to all... say, weren't you the drummer? Didn't you play most of the instruments on that album? Yeah, about half the tunes okay. on, on the album <clears throat> I did by myself. So what's what's coming? What's part of the like the deluxe, you know, reissue? What are we going to expect if we buy this vinyl? Oh, okay, okay. I had to redo the artwork completely because the original CD artwork, there was just no way at all uh-huh. to translate it over to an LP package. Yeah. And to really go back to the, you know, genesis of this whole thing is, um, I got the I did five albums for Razor and Tie Records. From 1994 through 19, I'm sorry, to 2002, mm-hmm. and uh, the lawyer that I had back then was really sharp, and he put something in the contract so that after a certain period of time, the records no longer belong to Razor and Tie; mm-hmm. they once again belong to me. So that date rolled around, and I got the records back, and I just thought, well, I want these to be out mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. So that's how the, how the whole thing began, and then the next thought was, well, they were never on vinyl. So let's correct that. So yeah. that's the uh, that's the beginning of the story, and then with the, with the um, miracle of science again, there's new artwork, and it's great, and I think it'll really look cool in a record store display rack. Yeah, and, and then there's a couple of tracks that I tampered with, like I've already described, yeah. and then with each of the albums in the reissue series, you, there's a going to be a brand new single with each one. Because I decided to make a commitment, you know, to to yeah. create some new music, and uh, so that's what happened with that. So there what you go. The, what are the songs, if I remember correctly? <laughs> I love that this story; fascinates me. You were listening to the track Seven Miles an Hour," and if I remember right, you decided that that would sound really interesting played backwards, and so you just played it backwards. Right. How? Whose mind thinks that way, Marshall? <laughs> Well, a couple things. I, I said in the bio, yeah, I, I listened to it and I thought it would sound backwards. That's kind of a veiled way of saying that I hate the song. Oh! So, uh, which I do, you know, I just like, don't take it personally. If, if that's your favorite song, then I'm not, you know, trying to be like a hard guy or anything uh-huh. like that. But it's just to me, to me, that's the sound of me trying to write a song when my mind is completely blank. But I got to fill the page, you know, that's yeah. one of those songs. So then I, I you know, I just, it just so happens that I do love the sound of recorded music played backwards. Like, I just like that sound. Mm-hmm. 
I used to have a turntable that like one out of every 44 times that I used it or something, it would turn backwards. It was just mm. at random. Hmm. And I would notice it, you know, I'd flip the thing on and then I would see that it was going backwards and I'd be like, oh boy, you know. <laughs> so I would just put the tone arm at the end of the record and listen to a little bit of it backwards and oh. I always got a kick out of it. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> and sure enough, seven miles an hour to me sounds great backwards, <laughs> like better than it does the other way. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. Um, one thing I don't know that I picked up, I, we may have talked about this last time, I don't remember, but I really love Glenn Burtnick. And I I don't know if I picked up prior to now, maybe I did and I forgot, but there and back again, you two wrote that song together. How did that come to be? Well, you know, he's a songwriter. He's a professional yeah. songwriter and a, an old friend of mine, as I probably have said before, you know, the other time we talked, I might have mentioned my friendship with him. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I just asked him. I was mm. asking people to, help me finish songs and uh that's it it's that okay. simple oh. and um i think you know like he had, right around that time i think he just had a co-write on a number one single by randy travis on the country charts <laughs> and i was getting a lot of uh not pressure at all it was it was friendly but i was getting a lot of nudging from my publisher bug music the, uh, the head of the company is a friend of mine and he says you know you really should go to nashville and just like you could you could do this mm -hmm. and you could do that you know like, that was the thing with him you know because he loved Nat the stuff that was coming out of nashville mm -hmm. so when i listened to there and back again all these years later it struck me that maybe glenn and i were kind of trying to go down that road uh, I could see a that. little bit you know i'm listening to this to the song and it's like what is this it's like john mellencamp or springsteen mm -hmm. or it's got that kind of vibe to it although it it is most, you know, it's about half personal experience Yeah, with me. Like there's some, there's a bit of realness in it and there's a bit of, you know, fabrication in it. Uh -huh. and <laughs> Storytelling. There's a bit of, yeah. there's a bit of professional songwriting in it. You know, anyway, uh -huh. that's, that's a long answer to your question. No, that's good. Okay. What was the single off of that album? Um, you know, what would have been played on the radio? Uh, the first one that got worked to radio was Starless Summer Sky. Was it? Okay. Which actually was, you know, it, it did get on a lot of radio stations. And, uh, you know, it, it did pretty well in its own little way. And then uh, I really wanted the next one to be What Do You Dream Of? But I don't know if that, I don't, I don't remember if we got that far with it or not. Okay. Okay. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of great tracks on that album. Yeah. It's, I, I, actually, I, I actually think it's one of my best albums. And, I mean, I was really reaching and and sort of like uh, venturing into new territory and just sort of finding a lot of great sounds. And yeah. I like it a lot, you know. Good. Um, Laughter has always been one of my favorite songs of yours, and that's on this album. Therefore, I have, you know, really fond feelings of this album. Specifically, do you remember anything about the writing of Laughter? Because it's it's a little bit different. Yeah. It sort of finds a groove and stays there. It's not, you're known for this great poppiness, and that song's sort of the opposite of that. How did that come, ab come about? Well, let me see. Um, I got the idea for the text of it. I was with my wife one day and we were walking on the Lower East Side. We lived, had lived in that neighborhood. And when we lived there, it was the AIDS crisis. My wife had a 
circle of friends of uh, gay men, right, at that time. And whenever I would go out of town <clears throat> on the road, I would go out and stay for a long time sometimes. And I knew, I always knew that she was having fun and that she was all right mm-hmm. because she had these great friends who took care of her and it was good. And, uh, yeah. but then a lot of them, a lot of them died during that time. It was yeah. pretty awful, including her very best friend. I remember we went to visit him the day before he died. The whole thing was just, you know, God awful. And, uh, yeah. it was like a plague or something. That's how I got the idea for the text. Cause we were walking around and then just happened to bump into an old friend of hers in this restaurant. And that's it. That's really mm. where the song, the word. I don't come out and say it, right? You know, I don't. No. I don't come out and get real specific in the in the in the song, which is, you know, kind of my my. I don't know. I just encourage yeah. you that way sometimes. But that's what it was. That's what the text was about. And then I had the melody and the stuff, the the you know the changes in the melody and the music. Yeah. And uh, when I got to Nashville, I said, "Okay, guys, I want to copy the beat." from this Holland Wolf record called No Place to Go. So if you happen to, you know, find that track and listen to it, you'll hear that I, I just, I said, you know, this is the beat, play it like Got this. It. Okay. And that's what we did. So it's a combination cool. of a little of this and a little of that. I love it. Um, what I was in getting ready to talk to you, I was kind of looking up some reviews of the album and I always find it interesting what Robert Criscow says about things. Most of the time I don't, uh, agree necessarily and sometimes he's so I don't know I can't even understand exactly if he likes the thing he's writing about but I noticed he gave this mm-hmm. album three stars and he especially commented on how uh, well the cover choices were and speaking of that mm-hmm. 2541 is a really great song and that was written by Grant Hart of Husker Du and I was curious how that came into your orbit uh, I just I heard it on the radio you know, I, I was listening one morning to uh, WDST in Woodstock. Nice. And uh, the DJ that mor- at that time, the morning DJ was this English guy named Nick Harcourt. Mm, of course. A little while after. Yeah, he got headhunted by uh, KCRW in mm-hmm. L.A. and went out there and became famous. But, but you know, he started out at, at DST. And, mm. you know, he's a really great DJ. And he played this, he played 2541, but he, it wasn't the Grand Hart version. It was a cover version by a guy named Robert Forster. Sure. But I just instantly loved the song. And I was looking for songs to do too, because I'd written as many as I could mm. for the album. And then I thought, well, I got a few, few slots to fill here. So uh, mm. it just happened that way, you know. Huh. And, uh, I mean, but I just, I, I only found out the backstory of the song after I'd already kind of fallen in love with the song it's okay. just like it's a very it's a very universal or you know relatable kind of story yeah and uh, that's it and it's okay were you a Husker Du fan did you know much about them a little bit we were label mates you know that we had the same oh, day in our person at Warner Brothers Karen Berg loved them and she signed them to Warner Brothers and uh so I had their records that she gave me mm-hmm and, you know, I, yeah, I did like them a lot. And, I, and, you know, this is funny. I went to see them at Irving Plaza, but the real reason I went to that show is, believe it or not, w- was for the opening act, who was Dwight Yoakam. Oh, <laughs> really? For Husker Du, you know? <laughs> yeah, so uh, 
but I stayed for them and listened. Sure. And, and I'm, you know, I'm friendly with Bob Mould now. So yes to all that. And I'm okay. with Grant too. Yeah. I got, I got friendly with him. Huh. Wow. Well, you, you know, the thing about Chris Gow and his sort of like mild review of the album, I just disagree with him, you know, and I also yeah. think I've seen this with reviews of my records is like sometimes my records aren't what people expect them to be. Mm-hmm. So they go, Oh, well, this isn't what I expected. So I'm disappointed. Yeah. But you know, I think it might be mm-hmm. like it more if you, if you expect to be surprised rather than uh, looking to be not surprised or That's something. Right. Anyway. So, so true. It's just kind of bitchy of me to say that, but, uh, no, it's very it. true. It's very true. Um, I was curious where you seem like someone who still really gets off on vinyl. Are you a are you a vinyl collector? Is that your medium of choice? Right now, yeah. It seems like whenever I buy a record, it's just my first impulse is to get the album if I can. Mm. Okay. But, I mean, that's with yeah, yeah. I do. I like, I, I do like records for sure. I'm okay. not a snob about. I'm not a snob about it. Uh huh. Do you have like yes. a, a room in your house? with like walls that are nothing but vinyl records, you know, the, the spines of vinyl. No, it's not like that. I'm, uh, not, I'm not that crazed, you know, I mean, I have a decent sized collection, but okay. I mean, I, I know lots of people that, that scene that you just described, you know, I've seen that at other people's houses, but yeah. It's, not, yeah. it's not quite like that here. Okay. Okay. Um, so what's the plan then? What's the release plan for the other albums that are, t- that were on razor and tie. I think this is the first of many that are going to get these deluxe vinyl reissue treatments. Correct. Yeah. There'll be five altogether. And uh, when I first started talking to the woman at the label that I made the licensing deal with, I just assumed that she was going to want to put them out on uh, record store day. Mm. I just thought that's the way people did it. And right. she said, no, that whole thing is, that whole thing has become kind of stale. Mm. So we're not going to make any plan like that. You know, if we want to put one out a year after the previous one, or we'll do that. Or if we want to put it out, you know, two months after the previous mm. one, we'll do that. So that's what we're going to do is just completely ad hoc as we go along. Okay. As far as the future releases go. Good. Okay. What was your, you know, you uh, sort of famously were on Warner Brothers and in high expectations, and you felt sort of like you were better suited as an independent artist. Was Razor and Tie a good home for you at that time? Because you stayed there for a while, made some good records for that label. I did, yeah. I would say that it wasn't a home. And, uh, you know, I voluntarily took myself out of the major label thing. I could have gotten another deal after my thing with MCA, but I just thought, no, you know what? I'm going to end this chapter of my life right now. Yeah. And, uh, and then I right around that time. I met the fellas from, uh, Razor and Tie, Craig and Cliff. Mm. Yeah. You know, we just did it as long as it felt right. And then both, we all moved on, but it, it, it was good. And I do think that, uh, I made, I made at least one of my best, best albums for them yeah. and that would be Miracle of Science and then the, the other one uh, number 447 that's another one mm-hmm. that I, I really love that's and also that I think great pretty much pretty, yeah pretty much works 100% of the way through yeah 
the others are the others are good too, but Miracle of Science and 447 those are two really great records. I agree. As far as I'm concerned, um, any story yeah. behind why you called it Miracle of Science? There is, but I kind of don't want to tell the oh. story. It's a little <laughs> it's a little dark. Ooh, Seriously, okay. it's like a little dark. It's a little personal. Okay. There's a there's another thing. The guy that took the pictures for the album. Uh huh. I just found out. I just found out a little while ago. I'm sad to say that he passed away. Oh no! Within the last year or so, but this guy was very talented. You know, the package for the the original package for the album was nominated for a Grammy. Not the album itself, but the but the oh, package. That's was what that was. Album. Okay. But but this guy Tom, the photographer, for each shot that we set up, he would give me like an acting assignment. Mm. And uh, there's one picture where. He said, okay, think of something that, like, really is personally horrifying to you, you know, <laughs> like your your worst experience of your life. Like, think of something that really makes you want to do, like, a primal scream and then do it. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, you know, I thought of something. Again, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was, okay. like, really, something that had recently happened and it was really bad. And uh, so, the, yeah, the, like, the, one of the publicity pictures for the album is of me like actually screaming you know i'm looking right at uh, it yeah yeah and then there's another one where i had a pair of my dad's glasses and i had this cheap suit with me and you know he asked me to bring some weird clothes and so uh hmm. you know i put all that stuff on and he goes okay you know pretend that you're like a deranged door-to-door salesman and uh so we did we did something like that and you know it was just really fun huh uh, to work with okay. him, I'm sorry that he's left the building. Yeah, yeah. I um, I have the album on CD, always have, and it, yeah, the, it's you know the liner notes are this little small kind of booklet almost that you unfold, and there's different pictures at the top of your head, different mouths for the bottom of your head, and um, mm-hmm. it's always been sort of sometimes it falls out of the CD you know, case, because it's smaller than the size of the case, but it's always been unique pass, pa- packaging, and that was nominated for a Grammy. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, it was. Very cool. Stefan Sagmeister. Stefan Sagmeister was the art director, and okay. uh, he's around still. And then Tom Charlotte was the photographer. He's the one wow. that's gone now. So real quick, before, while I have you, let's talk about what you're doing with the Smithereens. Every time I see you guys post some upcoming show, I just want to kill myself because it's always in the Northeast, and I live in Denver, and I would give anything to see one of these shows, two of my favorite things coming together. How is this mm. just kind of an ongoing relationship? It's beneficial for both of you, and you guys love each other, so why not continue to do it whenever you can? Well, it's kind of an ongoing thing that's beneficial to the both of us. And yeah, you just said it. That, that's yeah. correct. When Pat died, the the guys were booked to do a show. Um, you know, the, he Pat passed away during December, mm-hmm. and then they had a show in January that they were supposed to do at the Count Basie Theater on a double bill with Patty Smythe and Scandal, mm. with Little Steven as the host mm-hmm. and. Uh, so they decided to go ahead and, and do the show anyway. And so, you know, little Steven was there, Patty Smythe and Scandal. They played the opening set. And then the second part of the show was uh, a tribute to Pat. And it was mm. just absolutely unforgettable and, you know, very moving. 
a highly charged emotional uh, experience for everybody. I really loved it. And, uh, you know, like so many friends from, you know, like a long time, people at radio, people that I met back when I started out mm-hmm. and just, it was a great night. And uh, I got up and played three songs with the fellas that night. And it was, I could tell that, that they were really into it. And uh, I mean, like Mike hugged me that night as soon as he saw me. Mm. Anyhow, it was just like it was powerful, you know. Yeah. And then, and then about a month later, Dennis called me and he said, "You know, we're going to do this TV show," and asked me to play it with them. And I and I was still kind of feeling the, the afterburn from the mm. tribute show. Yeah. So I said yes to that, and then. Uh, a little while later he called again and said, you know, we just, we really want to keep playing. And, mm-hmm. uh, again, it was all just trying to keep that spirit yeah. going from that night. It was, that's, that was the idea of it. And it kind of still is mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, I mean, at this point it's become, it's become kind of an entrenched thing at this point, you know, right. now right. we're going on, you know, it's like a year and a half now that we've been doing it, but it's fun. I have a show with them this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Do you? Um... The other thing is, I just did a bunch of shows of my own. So oh. So I, I mean, if, if I can balance it, yeah. Then, then, then just keep it so it's copacetic in my mind, and then you know, then I, you know, I love it. You know. Well, and they have Robin Wilson from Gin Blossoms fills in sometimes too. There's, I think, one or two others. So if you can't make it or you're off doing your own thing, they still have other people sort of lined up that seem willing to help. And I, I'm so grateful for that. I mean, like I said, I love them so much and I love you. And if you're both coming together and it's obvious to everyone that it's for fun and it's to keep the spirit alive and it's to honor Pat and it's to honor great music that both of you have made. It's this perfect coming together of, you know, beloved entities and it gets to keep going so it's like a tribute night as well as a night with great music you know it's the perfect combination Mm -hmm. well it is it's i mean people see it that way mostly there have been a couple of naysayers you know but what are you going to do it can't be (laughs) it can't be the one it can't be the person that they want it to be right yeah yeah. he can't make he can't make it so it's got to be somebody else yeah and you know i mean yeah I didn't ask them. They asked me. So I'm, I'm really happy to do it. Too. I love it. Are either of you, whether this, you with the Smithereens or you by yourself, are you going to be doing some tour that, you know, comes back West at all? Well, I, I wish I could say yes for sure, yeah. but uh, I'll say possibly Okay. to both, you know, like because um, I never know exactly where they're going to play. We, we haven't, we have gone out into the country a bit, you know, like we mm-hmm. played the Midwest. We went to Southern California. We actually went to Tulsa for one show and flew mm-hmm. back. So, you know, Denver, I mean, do they have some fans in Denver besides you? If they do, <laughs> then maybe we'll, maybe we'll come, you know? And, uh, I think so. You, yeah. you came here by yourself. It's the one and only time I've ever seen you. You came here. It's been a while now, five or six years ago, probably played by yourself. I think the venue was called Swallow Hill. It's an old church and uh, it yep. was great. And you sit in pews. It was so beautiful. But that's the one and only time I've ever been able to see you. It's so I, I'm always curious when you're when or if you're going to come back through. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been too long. I agree. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I work I work 12 months out of the year usually yeah. or, you know, like nine or ten months out of the year and it's just some places I never get to which is yeah. uh, 
just kind of the way it works. Yeah, I get it. But I try, you know, Denver is a place that I could play. I just, time will tell when it happens. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Um, thanks for talking with me, Marshall. By the way, I was going to tell you, I talked to Jerry Murata about you the other day. I, uh, oh, great. Yeah. He, um, you mentioned Woodstock and it reminded me, he, I, it hasn't come out yet, but he and I, boy, we chatted for like three hours about his entire career. And of course, when he, uh -huh. played, since he played with you, I want to make sure I found out all the stories about playing with you. And uh, he, of course, had nothing but nice things to say. So I thought I would pass that along. He says hello. That's really cool to hear. And he's yeah. a great guy. He is. Very he talented, is. too, obviously. Yeah. All right, there you have it. Marshall Crenshaw, Miracle of Science. 1996, excellent album, out now on vinyl. Go check it out if that is your thing. If you are not a vinyl collector and you don't own the CD or whatever, at least go check it out that way. And if you're not that familiar with Marshall or you only know a couple of songs or a couple of hits, I'm here to tell you that this album is fantastic, as is most of his stuff. So go check it out. We love Marshall around here. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.